0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Not Ready for Rhyme Time. I'm your host, Taylor Wildland, and welcome back. We had a little bit of a break because it's Christmas and stuff. Did everyone have a good Christmas? I did! I still have more Christmases to go. Sorry if I sound a little nasally, I'm getting over a bad cold. So, since I don't have much of a voice, we're just going to get right into our author feature episode for this episode. The excerpt I will be reading from is from the book The Witch of Endeavor, Vampires, by R.K. Willer. It is a combination of short, short stories and poems, and he sent me some excerpts. So that's what we're going to be reading today. The excerpt I'm going to be reading is called To Love Medusa. It is a combination poem and short story, and it starts with the poem. To Love Medusa. Snakes they hiss, the serpent's song, Scales they gleam, the tail is long. Cat-like pupils, eyes they shine, Upon the dead doth Medusa dine. Mortals beware of her gaze you see, One look only and to stone you'll be. A boy's love if she could have her way, But she stayed too long, no longer day moon it raises full once more screams they come quick lock the door we'll move on into the short story excerpt from it lilith called a meeting of the coven A great chamber had been carved beneath Athens that connected to the old catacombs. Torches burned in the corners of the hallway. The warmth from the burning pitch provided little heat here beneath the ground. Fortunately, vampires are immune to cold. Although they fear fire from a burning inferno, they are enchanted by its dancing tongues of magic light. "'A great hearth burned off to one side of the chamber, "'casting shadows and lights through the room. "'Lilith stood near a thick door that was barely ajar "'as she peeked through the narrow opening and listened intently. "'Her progeny had arrived.' Seated around a large ornately carved wooden table were the vampires from around Greece. The pale creatures of the night sat rigidly in their high-backed chairs. They did not breathe unless they were prepared to speak. There was no need to put on airs here. The mortal servants and guards had grown accustomed to their master's peculiarities, which gave them an unnatural appearance as if carved from stone like clothed marble sculptures. One of the male vampires named Phineas reminisced how he had taken his last victim. He stood up so that he might recant the story. I placed myself in a confident pose like this before a column of the great library while in the nude. I stood as still as the sculptures to my... Sides until a passerby stared a bit too closely. She looked me up and down before approaching. I think it was the glisten of my eyes and the presence of body hair that finally gave me away. I sat perfectly still, enjoying her curiosity. She slowly climbed to the last step until she stood perhaps a foot away. I do believe she blushed in the moonlight. I was thinking of letting her go, or perhaps satisfying more than my bloodlust still i remained perfectly still as she stared at me she appeared as one who had only recently left the local brothel she seemed attracted to me the desire for her blood was growing almost too much to bear as i fought to hold still i waited until the woman touched my chest so that i might see her startle at the feeling of flesh rather than stone before i smiled at her i moved faster than she could cry out as i placed one hand over her mouth and another behind her neck her muffled cries and scraping of her nails over my skin would not save her i had not finished draining her before a couple of mortals rounded the corner Before he could continue, Phineas was chided for his carelessness by several of his undead companions. "'Hear me out. I assure you that the mortals only caught a glimpse of the woman's legs as they were pulled over the rooftop. "'I moved her body to an alley several blocks away before I returned to listen in on the frantic tale passed to the city guards. "'Although the local authorities conducted a search of the area, no evidence could be found to substantiate the claims, "'which were then quickly dismissed as urban legend.' A couple of the other vampires exclaimed that they planned to try this ruse themselves, while still others shook their heads in disapproval. These younger vampires were often careless and dismissed their detractors. The dynamics within the coven were interesting, as most appeared as they had in their prime, about thirty years of age, but a couple had been young adults and carried a more youthful look than their peers. Some members had been elderly when they were turned. These formerly older mortals often attempted to lecture those who had been younger, but some of those who had been mortally younger had been turned into vampires first, so the drama would sometimes unfold in unforeseen or even comical ways. Well, I for one would have had more control and not taken the first passerby like Phineas. I would have preferred to people-watch a while before choosing my victim. A young-looking male vampire with straight blonde hair and pale eyes exclaimed as he stood motioning towards his phineas. Another younger-looking vampire nodded in agreement with a sarcastic look on his face. "'Sure you would have had such self-control, Salvius. "'You can barely roll out of your coffin before you run past the guards on your way out to hunt.' If not for fear of your mother, you would not have even made it out of the crypts tonight without assaulting one of the guards. Phineas retorted, obviously annoyed. These disagreements had rarely turned violent amongst the members of the coven, and even then, not to the death. Lilith's wrath was severe. The last time, too, had come to blows, she had bound the pair in cells encased by magic wards and denied them from feeding for a couple of days to teach them a lesson. As Lilith watched her vampire children and listened intently at their discussion, she thought to herself, vampires, what a curiosity they are. Certainly something that mortals should fear in the dark shadows before the dawn, but still... If one were permitted to be in our presence for but a night, they might wish that they too could participate in the undead view of the world. Time does not matter to us, other than keeping track of how long till the rising of the sun, that is. The taking of a life sometimes dissuades mortals from joining us, but there are a couple of vampires amongst my children that yet refuse human blood as I once did." Living on the fluids of animals appeases the mortality of some who have reservations over being turned. We experience no illness, no creaking of worn joints due due to the wear or injury. We can see in the dark and are faster and stronger than humans. Although we do not fatigue, we still follow the customs of sitting at times out of habit, and so as not to alarm those who might notice something amiss. It is so interesting how a vampire might stare for hours at the embers of a dying fire, unmoving, mesmerized. The trickle of a mountain stream, or the calm passing of wispy clouds before the glory of the moon might entertain for an entire night. The feathered flight of the owl's hunt could be viewed as if in slow motion as it stalked its prey on soundless wings. So enthralled we sometimes become with the scenes of nature around us that only the cock's crow, pending danger, approaching mortal or the fading darkness, might bring us out of our enchantment. While mortals might appreciate the occasional taste of such wonders, the vampires' enhanced senses allowed them to take in God's glory at a higher, fuller level, although they do not always appreciate that it was all created by intelligent design. Here in Athens, there was normally two vampires, Lilith and her companion Fedora. Fedora, it was, who had been a wealthy nobleman near the temple of Zeus. She had been widowed shortly before Lilith, and Medusa had been washed ashore in Greece. By chance, Lilith had been watching Fedora one night trying to gauge her character when the other thief, who had escaped the docks, had come to try and rob the mansion. No longer would he spread rumors of the ghoul of Greece in the taverns. Lilith ended the thief's life that night and fed his corpse to her child. The tales already had caused her some problems, as people were on edge for some time, watching the night shadows, traveling more often in groups. Lilith's hunting had remained amongst the wicked. The vagabond, the thief, the prostitute, but it was the murderers and pedophiles that she enjoyed most. The eviler, the prey, the tastier, the blood she had found— Perhaps if there were a god, then this was some type of justice. More than the flavor of the blood was the challenge, the thrill of an experienced killer meeting a predator that was stronger, and faster than himself or herself, as a chance would have it. When no more sightings of the burned monster which eats the living or dead had surfaced for a few months, things had calmed down once more. She had placed rules on her progeny. None should turn a new vampire without her approval. There would be limits on the number of victims or vampires in any given city, lest the mortals rally against them and seek out their tombs by day to destroy them. The evildoers were less likely to be missed. The bodies would be disposed of, or, in the least, the puncture wounds would be masked by the cut of a knife, so as not to give away the cause of death as being from a creature of the night. If the vampire feasted too long, the fluids of the organs and skin would also be drained, and the corpse would appear like that of a raisin. She trained her children to have self-control, to be able to stop their feast before this occurred. The brethren and sisters now seated at the table represented Athens, Leviada, Arginio, Corfu, Iona, and Estia, Edissa. 11. Lilith closed the door and turned to address her children. She had borne two more daughters three years earlier. The father was a handsome vampire named Adonius, who resided in Leviada, but as before, the children were deformed. Although she loved her monstrous offspring, she had hoped secretly that this time her children would be, well, normal, or at least look mortal. Raising daughters who ate the dead, who were half-serpent and whose gaze could turn mortals to stone, demanded many sacrifices over the years, including living in secret here in the catacombs. Medusa sat before a mirror, turning her head from side to side. "'Mother, are you still here?' Yes, dear, I'm here, but I must go to council soon. What is it, my love? Am I beautiful? Of course you are, my darling. Why would you need to ask such a thing? If I am beautiful, then why did Father leave us? Lilith paused, thinking of the painful memory. Lamech had always hated his daughter. He could not stand the hiss of the snakes upon her head or the way the baby had stared at him. "'It was an accident, my dear. "'I have told you this many times. "'The ship exploded, and we were separated. "'You were just too young to remember,' "'Lilith told a partial truth. "'Can I come to counsel, Mother?' "'Who will watch your sisters, then? "'I need you to watch them until I get back. "'They cannot simply wander the halls unsupervised, "'or they might turn your suitors to stone.' "'Medusa looked disappointed and sighed. "'Every mortal that you have allowed to meet me "'has turned to stone, Mother.' "'the looks they have frozen upon their faces. "'Well, they look terrified. "'Why do they look so, if I am beautiful?' "'Medusa started to cry.' "'Lilith walked over and embraced her eldest daughter. "'There, there, my child. "'You and your sisters are beautiful, but you are different. "'You were made special. "'We will find you a suitor one day, I promise. "'In the meantime, Adonis and Festina have had a child.' "'Medusa perked up at the news. "'Is it a boy or a girl?' "'A boy,' the message said. "'I am sure that they have brought him along, and you will get to meet him tonight. "'Can you wait until after our meeting?' "'Yes, I suppose. "'Does he look like me, mother?' "'I don't know. "'But stay here. "'Watch your sisters, and do not let them go behind the curtains.' "'Agreed. "'All right, mother. "'I will watch my sisters, and I will spend some time talking with Playlist. "'That's my girl. "'Come to mommy.' The young Gorgon twins slithered across the stone to Lilith's outstretched arms. Their eyes shone brightly in anticipation of their mother's love. The snakes upon their heads perked at Lilith's face. Lilith laughed at the tickling touch. Now mind your sister while I am gone. Do you understand? Yes, Mommy, they said in unison, rolling their eyes. After kissing them upon their cheeks, she sat them back down once more upon the smooth stones before turning to leave. Lilith's younger daughters turned away from her and stuck their forked tongues out at Medusa before slithering down the hall. Medusa clutched her fists as she glared at them briefly before smiling at her mother. Lilith smiled at her children before racing away. Her mother's movement was so quick as she exited the chamber that Medusa only caught the closing of the door with a click. She had grown used to being startled sometimes by her mother and Fodora as they seemed to almost appear and reappear when they were in a hurry, but this had happened less frequently since the twins were born, as it still frightened them. She moved over near the curtains that extended the length of one side of the chamber. "'Palus! Palus, are you awake?' After a brief pause, a young, male voice, perhaps of a teenager, responded, "'Yes, Medusa, I'm awake.' "'Are you my friend?' "'I guess we are friends. You have always been nice to me even though we have never seen each other.' "'Why is that?' "'I have asked you before. Why can't we see each other?' Medusa thought for a moment. "'Have you ever met someone that was burned badly?' "'Yes. My uncle was burned in a fire as a child. Half his body is scarred. Half his face. One arm, one leg, and his chest on the right side are burned and disfigured. "'Are you burned, Medusa?' Is that why you never show yourself to me? Well, Mother and I were in a fire aboard a ship when I was a baby, and the ship exploded. Mother was burned terribly as she held me up out of the flames. But I have seen your Mother. She appears very beautiful to me. I have not seen any scars on her skin, at least not on her face and neck or her hands and arms. Mother is skilled at magic. "'You could say that magic helped heal her. "'Can't she use this magic to heal you? "'She has tried, but I was born different, Pleus. "'How do people treat your uncle when they see him? "'He is shunned. People are frightened by him. "'If he covers his burns, he can pass through the crowd "'with only brief stares at his bandages, "'but if he removes them, he is mocked and feared. "'That is sort of what it is like for me, only worse.' "'Think of a leper.' "'You have leprosy?' Pleaded, blurted out before she could finish. "'No, no, I don't have leprosy. "'But you would never want to look at me, Pleus. "'People are never the same after they look at me,' she said sadly. "'But I am not like that, Medusa. "'I saw what it was like for my uncle growing up. "'I would never judge you by your looks. "'I mean, we are friends, and we've never met. "'I miss my dad, and I am sure he is very worried about me.' I was scared at first when I was brought here, but you and your mom have been real nice to me, and she lets me out into the open courtyard at dawn, and I get to play with the other boys until just after dark. I know. You look like you have fun together. You've seen me before. I watch when you are asleep, and I watch you play in the courtyard with the other boys. You're special, Mother says. You are different, aren't you? I guess you could say that. I get that from my father, I suppose. He is different, too. He is stronger and faster than other men. I am starting to find that I am different like him. Remember when you were injured last week? Your wound healed quickly in only a couple of hours? That's different, too, Medusa said. Yes, I guess that's true. If I am different and since we are friends, then why can't I see you? I promise I won't make fun of you or tease you, no matter what you look like, okay? Oh, I want that so much. Medusa paused, and then she began to reach for the edge of the curtain, but down the hallway the white statues of the boys who had been turned to stone caught her eye, and she froze, uncertain. Her hand was only inches from the edge of the tapestry that separated them. "'Maybe he could see me and not turn to stone. He is different, stronger, and faster, and his body heals more quickly than the other boys.' Her fingers grasped the corner of the beautiful curtain that separated Pleias's cell from the rest of the chamber. Her fingers wrapped around the edge of the thick fabric. Your fingers are lovely. You have beautifully long fingernails, and your skin does not look burned. You think I have pretty skin and fingers. Very much so. Come on out. It will be fine. I want to meet you. Medusa moved until she touched the fabric of the curtain gently. She prepared to pull it back, to finally see her friend face to face. The snakes upon her head became excited and started moving around one another in anticipation. I can't. If he's turned to stone, I could never forgive myself. Medusa pulled her hand away from the curtain, looking sad. What's wrong? Don't you trust me? I— "'I trust you, but my sisters need me.' She called Stethino and Iola to her and held their hands as they made their way out into the dark of the courtyard, which was surrounded by cliff walls. Discards of damaged pillars and sculptures littered the old quarry. The usable stone had been removed, and only the cracked or imperfect sections remained atop the old bedrock. Half-finished reliefs and chipped busts of the old gods and heroes lay here and there. Medusa's sisters were excited to play outside and wasted no time scurrying off to the old dark pool of water that lay in the deepest part of the old quarry. She sat in her favorite spot while keeping an eye on her sisters. There was an alcove carved into a large block of stone in the form of a couch, upon which lay a half-nude sculpture of Zeus. As she ran her hand over the smooth stone, she noticed that it was cold to her touch. Slowly, she worked her way up towards his chest, shoulders, and face. Medusa looked into the unseeing eyes. As she kept the beautiful stone face in her hand, she pressed her lips against those of the magical god's image, as tears coursed down her cheeks, where they transitioned from smooth skin to rough scales. Laying upon the hard stone, she nuzzled herself into the crook of Zeus's arm, which extended across the back of the marbled couch. Her serpentine tail wrapped around the legs of the statue as she rested her head. The snakes protested only a little before quieting once more. The moon was full. Silver beams danced across the smooth mirror of the pool below. The unexpected hoot of an owl came from Medusa's right, where it sat perched atop a half-dead tree. The bird careened its head from where it faced away from her all the way around until it looked at her. Large yellow eyes stared at her. It reminded Medusa of her own eyes, only its pupils were round and larger compared to hers. That owl's ability to turn its head around backwards is creepy, but I guess that's kind of funny considering how people think my appearance is terrifying. The teenage Gorgon cringed as a strange, deep, hollow echoed in the distance. She had never heard such a call before. It sounded as if it came from a large animal. A solitary cry filled with madness and rage. The terrifying scream had taken up by another, but this one was closer. Medusa shivered. We are safe. No one comes here anymore. The mortals believe the quarry and the cemetery outside are haunted. Mother says the spirits of the dead walk amongst the stones. They come to be near her and to speak with her sometimes. They grow weary talking with their dead companions, whose vision of the world of the living is not always clear. These spirits, yet cling to life, or seek revenge for a terrible wrong that was committed against them. She says many of these lost souls linger on, trapped by insatiable desires for things they were addicted to while alive. Some desire a physical body and will look for susceptible mortals whom they might possess, even for a short while, to try and state their lusts. Others are nice enough, she says. They warn her of would-be intruders. Mother uses her magic to place wards around the crypts and Fedora's mansion to fend off the evil ones. No one would dare come to disturb us. My mother is very powerful, and the coven is together. No one would dare challenge them. Still, she is worried. Squinting, she scanned the edge of the cliffs. The shrubs and stones played with her eyes as shadows stretched in the moonlight. Nothing. She listened intently, but no other howls came. Glancing worriedly at her sisters, she noticed they seemed oblivious to the howls as they splashed one another in the shadows of the pond. Mortals might drown, but the Gorgon were naturally good swimmers. Closing her eyes, she tried to imagine kissing Peleus. That is the end of the reading. I don't really have time to read you another short story from this excerpt, so I'm just going to read one of his short little poems from the same book. It is called Of Teeth and Claws. Fear the light at full moon, howls they echo through the gloom. Board the backs and sharp the claws, teeth are long between the jaws. Madness glows from blood-red eyes, where werewolf comes the people die. That's the end of that reading. (laughs) My voice is about to give out. (laughs) I hope you guys have enjoyed this reading today. Thank you, Mr. Willer, for submitting your book. I will leave a link. You can find his book on Amazon. I will leave a link on where to find that. I hope you all have a good New Year, and hopefully I will be back to normally recording on my regular schedule after the holidays have ended i realize i have a bunch of author feature episodes that are in my inbox so i may start and end up combining them and just do two an episode but we'll see how that goes this has been not ready for rhyme time and i have been your host taylor woodland remember mind the gap